It took me a long time to see the situation with more compassion and to understand that I wasn't experiencing this struggle because I was broken. I was experiencing it for a multitude of reasons, but not because I was broken. And until I had the courage to acknowledge that I wasn't broken, and yes, I say courage because this can be hard, I wasn't able to believe that change was possible. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here, and now on to the show. Welcome to the show. You're listening to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women rise. And I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And today's episode is the season three finale. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited about it for so many reasons. One of which being that today's episode is a brand new format. And although it might not feel that different than a solo episode, because it's going to just be me talking, the creation of it was very different. The process of making this episode was very different. And today I'm going to be sharing something that I wrote with you. And it actually was inspired by this idea that I can't stop thinking about that you're going to actually see be talked about in season four. It's coming up more and more in the interviews, and I love it. It's this idea that we have these big goals professionally. We have these big things that we want to achieve. And they're often things like feeling confident, being bold, being powerful. And they're just these massive, lofty things that we're reaching for. But what fascinates me most is that even though these things are so large and out there, and they're kind of like these big dreams that we have, the way that we get to them, the moments where those things get created within us can be the briefest, tiniest instances in time that can contain so much richness within them. Even though it's just this brief moment, it could be 20 seconds or less or even shorter. And in that space, you have an opportunity to show up differently. You have an opportunity to make a different choice. You have an opportunity to welcome in your fear and you have an opportunity to be bold despite the fact that you're feeling fear. That decision to change your patterning, to take a risk, to be more brave and courageous, that decision can happen in an instant. And it can happen in an amount of time that is probably too short for us to even measure. And that just fascinates me. It fascinates me how the big things that we're reaching for happen in these almost infinitely small moments of time. And so today's essay is all about a tiny moment that I have experienced in my career over and over again. And it's a tiny moment that I have really struggled with, but a lot of my growth and the confidence that I've been able to build has occurred 
in the discomfort of this tiny moment. And the moment that I'm talking about, and maybe you relate to this, maybe this is something you've experienced, is the moment where you have to introduce yourself to a large group of people who are all listening at once. This is an experience that I've encountered many, many times, and it really used to fill me with fear and dread, and that fear and dread used to really take control of me, and just it felt like it felt like it owned me, and it was very, very challenging, and that is really an area where my growth has kind of coalesced in an area where I was actually able to see growth in self-confidence show up as I began to approach this tiny moment differently and show up differently in this tiny moment where I have to speak in front of a group of people and explain who I am and what I do and I feel very anxious and very stressed out about it and I'm worried I'll sound stupid and I'll fumble over my words and it'll be a disaster. It's the evolution of what I've experienced in that moment. And I wanted to share it with you because if you've either ever had struggles in that specific type of moment or you've found yourself struggling in any kind of moment where all of a sudden you are feeling so small and so afraid and you're thinking, oh my gosh, how did I go from feeling totally normal one minute to just feeling like this tiny shell of a version of myself the next minute and just wanting to run away and hide? If you've ever felt that in any kind of setting, then I hope that me sharing some of my experience and my struggle and what I've learned and even making fun of myself a little bit along the way I hope that me sharing all of that with you helps you. I hope you enjoy this. Thank you so much for sticking with the show, for being so supportive. It means the world to me. And with that, I'm going to cut into my essay, which I'll be reading, and enjoy. Part one, the struggle. Around the room intros were my kryptonite. And when I say around the room intros... I'm talking about those big work meetings where someone says, before we start the meeting, let's all go around and introduce ourselves to the room. This seemingly tiny moment that is probably insignificant to so many people has not been insignificant to me. It's been a source of anxiety, dread, sweaty armpits, an uncomfortably dry mouth, and endless thoughts about my own shortcomings as a human being. I've been through many of these big group intros in my career, and many times I've found myself wishing that we could just do them speed round style so that I could rip off the band-aid and get through the pain as quickly as possible. But it always seemed to be the opposite. They're always so slow and clunky And often they get drawn out by things like having each person describe their role on the project or having everyone share a fun fact about themselves. Speaking of fun facts, I have many, many thoughts to share about the dreaded fun fact. More on that coming later. But first, I'll start with the basics. Whenever these Around the Room intros happen, I am always, always last I can really only chalk this up to pure, dumb, bad luck, because even though going first is majorly scary, going last is equally terrible. Why, you ask? Because it prolongs the anticipation. You see, 
My brain is very, very skilled at imagining all of the potentially disastrous scenarios that could unfold, which means that the more time I wait, the more time my mind has to craft a story that involves me becoming the laughing stock of the meeting, which devolves into me losing my job, which further devolves into me losing all of the things that have ever brought joy and peace into my life. For a long time, I'd spend those few horrifying moments under the grip of this self-imposed mental war zone, and I worried, I feared that I must be broken. Everyone around me seems calm, cool, and collected. So why am I such a disaster? Why is this so hard for me? It took me a long time to see the situation with more compassion and to understand that I wasn't experiencing this struggle because I was broken. I was experiencing it for a multitude of reasons, including but not limited to generalized anxiety, challenges to my sense of self-worth, and a nervous system with a tendency towards panic. But not because I was broken. And until I had the courage to acknowledge that I wasn't broken, and yes, I say courage because this can be hard, I wasn't able to believe that change was possible. And that's why we're here, right now, you and me. Because there are a couple of important things that you need to know if you're struggling with this, or really with almost any self-confidence-related struggle. One, you are not broken. You are human. And two, you can change. If you want to. And if you are willing to be brave, adventurous, and very, very patient. I went from being a non-believer, thinking I'd be broken and shy and awkward forever, to believing that things could be different. And I'm sharing my experience with you because if you are struggling with self-confidence and you're struggling to believe that you can grow and change, I want to prove you wrong. And not just prove you wrong, but help you see that your deepest strengths and leadership qualities will begin to get unburied as soon as you begin to teach yourself that you can indeed grow through this. Now, if what I'm saying sounds too good to be true, or if you're wondering if there's some sort of catch, in full disclosure, the answer is yes, there is a catch. A big one, actually. The catch is that this process of growth, change, and evolution that I'm talking about is not always super glamorous and not always fun. And even worse, sometimes the growth process feels more painful than the initial problem itself. I myself have experienced this awkward halfway point where I'm sort of confident and okay most of the time, but then all of a sudden, all of my old insecurities and struggles will just rush back in out of nowhere at the teeniest, tiniest trigger. At least when I was just purely deep in the struggle, I knew exactly how things would turn out. I knew things would turn out horrible. And I knew that if we were doing an around-the-room intro, I'd get hot and sweaty and terrified and shaky as soon as it was my turn. And yes, it was an awful experience, but at least I knew it would be awful. But as I started to build confidence, weirdly, the unpredictability of how it would go 
somehow made these around-the-room intros more terrifying. In fact, they became a little bit like Russian roulette. How will it be today? Will I speak calmly and elegantly like the normal human that I so aspire to be? Or will my fear decide to rush in at the last minute and make me sound like a gasping, squawking bird? I even had moments where I thought things were going totally fine, only to have the tides turn on me in the worst possible way. It would usually happen just as my turn to introduce myself was approaching. At first, I'd notice how calm I was feeling, and I'd think, score! I have finally kicked this problem in the pants! We are just one person away from my turn, and I am feeling calm and happy. And then, of course, things would go to shit. We'd hit a snag, usually because someone would take a really, really long time, or they'd make some joke that slowed everything down. And then my happy little brain would start freaking out because it thought that my turn was roughly 30 seconds away, but now things are taking forever, it would scream. And I'd feel the panic starting to rush in. And the longer I'd wait, the worse it would get. And there'd be absolutely nothing I could do short of screaming, excuse me, I'm starting to panic. Can you please hurry up? So I'd sit there, tortured, watching my pendulum of calmness and inner zen swing way back in the wrong direction, knowing with full certainty that at T minus 10 seconds before my turn hits, my heart would begin to pump abnormally loudly and my throat would do its usual thing and get super itchy and I would struggle to remember my job title, let alone my fun fact. And now I suppose is the right time to address the beloved fun fact. Now, before I delve into my issues with the fun fact, let me be clear. It is not my intention to blindly hate on the fun fact. And in fact, I totally want to know other people's fun facts. It's just that historically, I've had a little bit of trouble with the performance anxiety that's involved in choosing my fun fact. Because for some reason, as soon as I'm asked to come up with a fun fact in the presence of unfamiliar coworkers, I seem to lose all memory and all critical thinking capability. I will try my best to come up with something, anything, only to hear a little voice inside my head say, fun fact, there is literally nothing fun about you. Good luck, biatch. And as I try to come up with something, anything, my brain, I think in an effort to torture me even more, would start coming up with the most dry, the most awful, the most depressing fun fact known to man. I need a fun fact, I'd tell my brain. Please give me an idea. All right, it would say. Your name is Jessica, and your fun fact is you have a car, and you use your car to drive to work. No, I'd respond. That's not fun at all. All right, my brain would say. How about... Your name is Jessica, and your fun fact is, you have a middle name. Despite my efforts, my begging and pleading would get me nowhere. I am lucky that I have a cat because she's become my default fun fact in these situations. And yes, she is cool, 
and I love her, but also I am now and forever the cat lady. Fun fact drama aside, what I most want to emphasize to you is that growth and change is not linear, and that on your path to building confidence in your ability to speak up, you may sometimes feel like you are backsliding. There may be moments of pure courage, followed by moments where you feel yourself collapsing like a house of cards. One minute, you'll feel on top of the world, and the next, you'll wonder if this is all just some cruel trick designed to get your hopes up and leave you worse off than when you started. During these low points, you may begin to wonder if you should shrink your ambitions and pursue an unexciting career path that will allow you to avoid any and all pain by hiding away and staying small forever and ever. Because when things get difficult, the temptation to give up or run and hide becomes very hard to ignore. Which brings me to part two. Part two, the temptation to hide away. It took me some time to get to a point where I was no longer deathly afraid of these around-the-room introductions. And before I got to that point, I sometimes found myself strategizing about how I might potentially avoid the horror of doing my intro by finding a way to get skipped. There are few things that a shy, nervous, anxiety-ridden person appreciates in this lifetime more than the gift of being skipped. Now, to explain how being skipped could even be a possibility, I have to remind you that these around-the-room intros do not always happen in person. I mean, these days, with all the technology and connectivity we have, we're not limited by the need to all be in the same room. We just pop onto a dial-in, and it's as if we're all in the room together, right? Wrong. Look, the virtual around-the-room intro has both major issues and major benefits, so I'll keep my discussion balanced, and I'll acknowledge both. On the positive side, when we are virtual, there is a very good chance that my face is not visible. And even if my face is visible, for sure my armpit sweat is not. This is game-changing and huge. But... The virtual around-the-room intro is not without its issues. And let me tell you, it has some big ones. Forget the fact that I can't hear 40% of what's being said. And forget the fact that no matter how hard we try or what we do, there is always, always someone whose line is causing crazy loud background noise, even when we beg and plead for people to hit the mute button. This is all just the tip of the iceberg. The real problem is that when we're virtual and we're doing group intros, I have zero way of knowing when it's my turn. And possibly even worse, neither does anyone else. Which means that once we launch into the group intros, we get one of two outcomes, either multiple people jumping in at once or radio silence, minus the thrashing noise in the background, of course. And on top of all of this, I have to decide when I want it to be my turn to jump in with my intro. I'm a part of this mess and my silence is deafening, but my brave splash into the pool of introductions is almost guaranteed to come at the perfectly wrong time. 
And so now you can probably see why it is so tempting to allow oneself to be skipped. No need to deal with this crazy mess of not ever knowing when your turn is. No need to stress about talking at the same time as someone else. And best of all, no need to do the thing that you're afraid of. But this is where I have to get serious for a minute and say to you, as I've said to myself time and time again, resist all temptation to be skipped. Never opt for silence when a space is being made for your voice, no matter how tempting it is, and no matter how insignificant you might think you are in that big meeting. I don't care about your title or your fear or the number of people in that meeting who are quote-unquote more important than you. You're there because you belong, so keep your actions congruent with that belief and give yourself the space that you deserve. Even if that space is seven garbled seconds of an awkward introduction that only half the group can hear, those are your seven seconds. That is your name, your job title, and your story about why you're there and what it is you're doing. And do not make a mistake that I have made many times where I confused my fear and its ever-present physiological symptoms with the conclusion that I should hide away, quietly allowing my turn to pass me by. I rarely share rules of thumb, but here is one. Introduce yourself no matter what, even if you feel afraid, even if you have to jump in sniper style at the very end because the intros are over and you just weren't able to get in there, even if you wonder if you're quote-unquote supposed to be in the meeting, heck, I don't care if you actually aren't supposed to be there and are literally there by accident. All I care about is that you get to practice having a moment of courage where you prove to yourself that you're a whole lot stronger than you thought you were. So show up like you belong, even when parts of you want to run away. Gently release the belief that you aren't good enough and that speaking up somehow annuls the insurance policy that silence brings you. And perhaps most importantly, do not allow the painful, jagged edges of imperfection lure you into the tempting embrace of silence. This is not about sounding perfect, and in fact, how you sound should be almost completely irrelevant. The goal is merely to break the pattern of silence, to show yourself that when you see the distant shadows of fear creeping closer towards you, you are able to stand firmly where you are, ready and committed to letting yourself be seen, shaky voice, awkwardness, word stumbles, and all. Part 3. Confronting Fear I firmly believe that learning to feel confident in scary situations requires fundamentally changing our relationship with fear. And this often means breaking the pattern of avoiding it and running away from it, and instead learning to coexist with it. But of course, this can feel infinitely difficult because fear can be so, so sneaky. And even worse, when you're under the grip of fear and you're really in it, it can be very hard to feel like you're in control. 
For me, the grip of fear during these group intros was always most intense in those few brief instances just before it would be my turn. There was always this eerie, ominous moment where time seemed to slow to a halt and everyone's eyeballs would pivot towards me, so eerily coordinated, kind of like those Siamese cats in Lady and the Tramp. And if you're anything like me, then having all of those eyeballs fixated on you at once can cause your brain to throw a total tamper tantrum, and it might start shouting something like, are they thinking something not good about me? To which it might answer itself, oh my god, it does seem like they're thinking something not good about me. It really seems that way. Holy shit, I think they're thinking something not good about me. If you have experienced this, I feel your pain. Although it can feel like you're some strange showcase at the zoo, it is much more likely that those eyeballs are turning towards you with far more optimistic thoughts and feelings. During some of my deepest moments of fear and struggle, I've talked my brain off the ledge by running through a much more realistic list of what others might be thinking or feeling about me. Here's what's on the list. Number one, curiosity. During moments of panic, the strikingly obvious fails to occur to us. Could it be that the people in the room actually would love to learn who you are and what you do? Our brains are experts at generating worst-case scenarios, so if you find yourself panicking, please remind yourself that the most likely thing that people around you are feeling is open-minded curiosity about what you do and who you are, because you are not, in fact, an excessively dumb, boring, and useless person who just happened to sneak into the meeting. You're actually a teammate. You're a colleague. You're a winding gear in the elegant machine that is your organization, and your presence and who you are and what you do could very well be critical for the success of the people around you. Who is she, they might wonder, and how can she help me? Number two, pride. Never forget about the person in the room who is rooting for you to succeed. During moments of panic, We seem to forget about all of the people who support us, all of the credibility we've built over time, and all of the things that we've already accomplished. There very well might be someone in that room who deeply appreciates your gifts and contributions and who has your back no matter what. And if you're worried about sounding awkward and dumb and disappointing them, Remember that your supporters are incredibly proud of you before you even open your mouth to speak. There is nothing that you can say or do that will erase all of the history that you've established with your leader or your team. And your talents and achievements don't get canceled out simply because you are experiencing a short moment of struggle. You've earned your job and your spot in that meeting, and you can do things imperfectly and still be deeply respected and supported. Number three. Last but not least, and perhaps the most important of all, is that the people around you may not be thinking much about you at all. Let's be real. Some people in the room are far, far away from being solely fixated on you and how strange and awkward you are. 
they're actually much more likely thinking about how strange and awkward they are, or why their car is still making that annoying rattling noise, or whether they're going to be on time to their next meeting. Just like you find yourself caught in the rainstorm of your own negative thoughts about yourself, so do many of the other humans around you. If you flub your introduction and feel like you want to crawl under a rock, please, please, please first make a list of all of the people in the room who weren't 100% fixated on you and every aspect about you. Spoiler, this list will include every single person sitting in that meeting. Now, I have tried my best to help ease some of your fears by telling you what the people in the room might be thinking about you. But the truth is, I can't be 100% certain of what other people are thinking. I can, however, be 100% certain of what I am thinking. And so I have to share that with you. I am thinking that you are a well of limitless potential, like the inverse of a black hole. Rather than sucking everything in, you're radiating your gifts outwards to infinity. You might doubt this because in this deep moment of fear, you might be wondering how that could possibly be true. You see your struggle as an omen of your not-enoughness, a proof point of your inadequacy, and a sign that nothing great could ever possibly be in your destiny. If you feel this way, then I have to gently inform you that your definition of greatness is skewed. It's as if you're watching a 3D movie without your 3D glasses on, and what you're seeing is blurry and disjointed and not the way that things are intended to be viewed at all. The true story of your professional evolution, the full, three-dimensional, technicolor version of your story, is one in which your greatness is found in the ugliest, the most unglamorous moments that you will ever encounter. And it is your continued willingness to ride through the pain of these moments and your commitment to ever-forward motion that plants the very first seeds of your greatness. Because the truth is, it was never meant to be easy. And if I'm being honest with myself and with you, I don't think I want things to be easy. Because it is only when we go beyond what's easy that we uncover something that is infinitely better. Something that I like to call feeling alive. This life that we're in, there are no guarantees that we'll get another one. If our life were a film... The production studio has clearly told us, we do not guarantee you funding for a sequel. And so what do we do when we're in a situation and we only get one of something? We make the most of it. And for me, I simply cannot make the most of my life if I run from things that aren't easy. Easy things have never made me feel alive never delivered the personal and spiritual electrification of being knee-deep in the mud, of feeling the awful, unrelenting stickiness of a painful challenge, and finding the energy to move myself upwards and out from the pain. It's a bit like riding a roller coaster. 
The thrill can't really exist without the terror that you feel as the roller coaster cart climbs up, the gears underneath you clicking and clacking as the coaster gets closer to the top. During that slow and ominous climb, your mind and body are flooded with discomfort and thoughts of, why on earth did I decide to do this, begin swirling in your mind. And the fear intensifies when you hear that telltale creak that lets you know that the coaster is about to drop. And what happens next occurs so quickly that you can barely pinpoint the moment in time when your terror dissipates and gives way to a playful scream, a laugh that came seemingly out of nowhere. In the blink of an eye, the coaster plunges you downwards, and you forget that you were ever afraid in the first place, savoring every instant of the glorious drop down and wanting, craving more speed. And suddenly, you feel an unexplainable urge to let go of anything and everything that feels bad or scary and raise both hands high into the air as the wind hits your face and floods you with a feeling that you can only describe as pure aliveness. I speak so often on this podcast about promotions and career success and that upward mobility that I so wish upon professional women. But the truth is, those things are simply a doorway to what it is I truly want for you. What I truly want is for you to feel brave, empowered, electrical, and alive. And I know with full certainty that your fear is your portal to that incredibly precious sense of aliveness that is ready and waiting for you to open up to it. I understand, possibly more than you know, that these fearful moments are not easy. I understand that in an instant, it can seem like all of your courage is robbed from you and you've become powerless to the very real and very difficult circumstances around you. It often feels like the strength that we need gets taken from us in the instances when we need it most. But when you find yourself caught in a moment of fear, running scared, talking yourself out of speaking up, I implore you to ask yourself, are you truly content with the smallness of hiding away? Or do you perhaps desire something bigger? And if you desire something bigger and you commit to pursuing it, when it comes down to that critical moment and you feel the familiar sensation of fear creeping in, can you commit to not running away? Can you detach from your self-criticism for just an instant and decide to share your voice boldly in spite of the terror that may threaten to overtake you? And can you hold on to the vision of what it will feel like after the fear passes through you and you get to enjoy the glory and ease of the ride downhill? In each and every one of these moments that you encounter, you get to decide is the story of your career a story about damage control, about de-risking everything and running over and over again from fear? Or is it a much, much different kind of story? A story about diving headfirst into the terror, knowing with full certainty that your stomach will be in knots, but getting ready for it anyway, 
because even though you can choose the easy way out, you actually want to choose the crazy, wild, and sometimes even nauseating and headache-inducing ride because you are simply ready to feel the aliveness that is waiting for you at the other end. If you choose the scarier path, you are not alone. You have at least one person who is majorly cheering for you, and that person is me. While I can't understand all of your struggles, I can assure you that I've had my share of dark professional moments. There is one in particular that I will never forget. It happened the night before I started my first ever real-world job. The universe, in full-blown Alanis Marset, isn't it ironic style, decided that the night before day one of my very first job ever, I would become violently ill. One minute, I was reveling in the sleekness of my new fancy black leather tote bag. The next minute, I was head over toilet, writhing in discomfort, waiting for my body to do its thing over and over and over again. Some may call it coincidence. Others may just call it food poisoning. But I can only call it foreshadowing. It was as if I was being warned by forces greater than myself. Jessica, this is your warning that your life is on the precipice of change. And I need you to know that things are about to get hard. This feeling that you are feeling, this nauseating feeling that is overtaking your body and mind, there is more of this coming. I need you to be ready. Needless to say, I did not get the memo. My tender, naive little mind could barely fathom that this new, exciting career path that I was embarking on could possibly include pain, anguish, and struggle. That wasn't what I had signed up for. I had signed up for things to be fun, perfect, easy. I had signed up to be that cool, confident woman in the power suit, not the girl who showed up at the beautiful, flawless office on day one looking like a total wreck and smelling faintly of vomit. In fact, that is downright mortifying. Mortifying. And do you know what else is mortifying? It is mortifying to be riddled with fear at the thought of doing something as simple as introducing myself to a group of people. Maybe, just maybe, my food poisoning extravaganza was not just me being bitch-slapped by the universe. Maybe I was being trained, albeit in strange and unconventional ways, for what lied ahead. Nauseous? Check. Mortified? Check. It's interesting, isn't it, how that same nauseous-slash-mortified cocktail of discomfort showed up over and over and over again, each and every time I wrestled with the fear that was attached to those four simple words. My name is Jessica. What I couldn't see that night on the bathroom floor and what I couldn't see through those early, painful moments of dread and fear is that discomfort is part of the game. In fact, I've managed to boil it down to a highly precise mathematical equation. The equation is discomfort plus discomfort 
plus lots more discomfort equals strength and confidence. What I'm trying to say is that how you feel tomorrow is determined by what decisions you make today. And you will not feel strong and confident tomorrow by trying to feel strong and confident today. You will feel strong and confident tomorrow knowing that you sat in that meeting and introduced yourself like you belonged, even though you felt nauseous or mortified or downright afraid. And as you stick with it, you will be rewarded. With every passing situation, you may observe your fear getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. This may happen very slowly, and it may not be noticeable at first, but give it the time that it needs, and at some point, you will find yourself looking back at an older, fearful version of yourself with love, with compassion, and with nostalgia even. Because the beautiful story of who you are becoming could never exist without the older, more fearful version of you. Just like the roller coaster can't be fun unless it's also scary. It's all part of a single, inseparable experience where fear, dread, and even physical discomfort are deeply entangled with excitement, exhilaration, and joy. And just like you would with a roller coaster, choose to get on despite the terror, recognizing that the experience as a whole will be far, far greater than the sum of its parts. In the roller coaster of your career and your life, choose the dread, choose the headache, choose the nausea, allow them to pass through, ride out the struggles that they bring you, and then begin to relax, let go, and enjoy the ride. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It's probably one of the most personal episodes that I've shared. There's a lot about myself in here, and I really shared it in the hopes that it might make you feel less alone or it might inspire you. If you find yourself dealing with fear or you find yourself dealing with something difficult, so I hope that it benefited you. And I just want to thank you for listening to the show. I want to thank all of you who have been really supportive of me. It's been a pretty magical experience doing this show. And I feel really good and excited to close out season three and get ready for season four. So we are still going. We're not stopping anytime soon. I'm not stopping and hopefully you're not stopping either with your goals and in your life and in your career. So March will be a break month, but there is some bonus content coming. So you'll be getting some of that soon. And then season four will kick off in April. I can't wait. I hope you've been enjoying the show. Thank you so much for supporting it. To anyone who's reached out to me or messaged me, I deeply appreciate it so much. It means the world to me. So thank you. And I put this show out into the world with the hopes that it would have an impact and 
when I get your feedback or when I see that someone has left a review for the show, it literally lights me on fire in the best possible way. Usually being lit on fire doesn't have good connotations, but I mean it this time in a good way. And so if you've benefited from the show, if it has helped you, if it has made you feel good, I would love to know. I always appreciate your ratings and your reviews and Apple Podcasts. I love them. I love them. I love them. And I also love when you reach out to me. So please, please, please don't hesitate. Don't be shy. I'd love to hear from you. I'll put all of my information, my contact information in the show notes. And I just want to thank you again for listening and remind you that it's normal to struggle everyone struggles and it's not about whether or not we're struggling and it's not about whether or not we're perfect and it's not about you know the fact that we have a struggle makes us imperfect it's really about what we decide to do with the struggle that is where all of the defining change and the defining characteristics get built and the most wonderful beautiful thing about that is that we get to choose we get to decide we don't always get to decide what struggles come into our lives but we do get to decide how we respond and how we proceed and i think that is such an important reminder for all of us to keep in mind as we try to move our careers forward in ways that feel good and in ways that feel enriching and so if you are struggling in some way just remember that you're definitely not alone in your struggle and that you really do have the power to move yourself up and out of it if you choose to. At least that's what I believe. It may sound naive, it may sound overly optimistic, but that is simply the orientation of my beliefs in the world. And I love to share that with you and with anyone who might benefit from it. Oh, it is so, so good to be talking to you. I'm so excited for more to come. I'll catch you a bit in March. I'll catch you for season four in April. I hope you have an incredible week and bye for now.